you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Okay, 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 okay. New wave kind of thing. And I just remember the... I've never seen the movie, but I remember him pointing at Stainless and going, Stargrove! But, 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 but to pop the stack, so you, you said Sia was off-putting. Did you find that way... Do you feel that way about the members of Kiss? No, when I was a kid, no. Okay. I'm just saying now who I am when I'm... Because yeah, I yeah. was not... Like, to me, when I was a kid, Kiss was... They were comic books. You know, they really were. To me, they were just comic book characters that were singing. Right. I grew up, you know, the Archies. I, I assumed I knew what Archie looked like. He had red hair and was, you know, singing Sugar Sugar. sugar but sugar. Uh, And Betty played the tambourine. No. Veronica plays the tambourine. Betty, Betty was on keyboard. keyboardist. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she's the Davy Jones of, of the Archies. And... Uh, you know, so no, I didn't have a problem as a kid. But now, as I as I got older and learned to play music and learned to appreciate artists, right? And you know, and I was thinking about that, listening to Sia tonight, and going like the whole thing about. I absolutely agree with why she does it, because I think that everybody is so marketed in a way that there is no way that Janis Joplin considered this brilliant voice. Or Mama Cass, yeah, would be a star today in the machine that is. I don't know because we've got. Still do it, but it's very hard. Yeah, who's the who's the British singer who Adele? Yeah, so you got Adele. um, But even that guy that did that horrible James Bond theme song, he had to lose weight. Sam Smith. Sam Smith. God, he's horrible, horrible, horrible. Oh, but let's not get in there. Although we just made it very nerdy, we pulled it around by pulling in James Bond. Uh, somebody online was arguing uh, it was like when did my favorite things become a Christmas song because it it mentions a couple of wintry things you mean from from Sound of Music Sound of Music it is a Christmas song it is constantly played on Christmas radio sure and it's like a Christmas wish list kind of thing without being commercial whiskers on kittens Uh, here I got you kitten whiskers and brown paper packages wrapped wrapped up up in strings strings because we couldn't afford colored paper oh yeah yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, tonight I heard. Uh, or no, it, was, it was this morning driving into work. I heard the Herb Alpert version of it that ends with the James Bond theme. And I thought, what? well, in this case, it is like one of my favorite things. He ended with Bond. Wow. <laughs> and then I kind of thought, it's a shame Sal Pizarro's not here tonight. But. <laughs> So anyway, shall we begin? This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are at the Seven Stars Bar and Grill at the mercy of Jabba the Hutt. He's behind you. Paul he's right Cunha. behind I know, you. I know he is. He's, I don't know what Jabba does. He's undulating right behind me, isn't he? Has Jabba had some work done? Yes. 
Okay. He was reconditioned. Okay. That other voice you hear is, of course, the producer making this all happen and trusting. I'm trusting him tonight because I forgot my headset. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. <laughs> Thank you. That was with good. With Derek in my ears. Wow. Yeah. I think that shall be it's the title weird. of your autobiography, <laughs> with Derek in my ears. Uh, we've got, I hope, uh, uh, I'm, I'm subtitling this episode, though you are not bound to it, but just office party. It was the family fun at an office party. And realized, I like it. Yeah, that's pretty much us. Here we are sitting. I took uh, your suggestion we last week. We had cocktails and Diet Pepsi and the Guisa Corn Dogs, Seven Stars Bar and Grill. So beyond, above and beyond everything else we say tonight, thank you to Paul and Maria Cunha who uh, were They're gracious enough the to let us come today. here tonight and turn off many of the speakers so that we could be heard as we record tonight's podcast. And I did a run into um, one of their inspirations, uh, Mark Bernardine, okay. who uh, does ba- Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith at Scum and Villainy. So I met him Friday night and I said, oh, you podcast from Scum and Villainy. We occasionally podcast from Seven Stars Bar and Grill with Paul and Mario. Was he envious? Uh well, he does want to come up here okay, cool. and do a podcast. I don't know if he wants to do a podcast with us, but he mm-hmm. might come up here and talk, uh, but not with us. Uh, but he did say, man, they drive an awful long way to have to hear me talk. Uh-huh. So uh, it, was, it was very cool running into uh, Mark Bernardine. And, of course, if anything we talk about tonight is a, a purchasable item and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, we encourage you first to go to your local brick-and-mortar store. Mm-hmm. But but if you can't find it there, you can purchase it through Amazon, uh, which we have a link to on each and every Fanboy Planet podcast page, as well as each and every page of Fanboy Planet. And uh, I should mention, of course, that uh, you probably heard this on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, what was the other one we discovered? Uh, I discovered you discovered last week through your uh, or two weeks ago through your. Uh, oh your yeah, Tesla. Um, geez, tune in, tune, tune in. dot com. We're tune available com. there. Which was a discovery to us. I have been too busy, unfortunately, to write to them and say, hey, what's the deal? Are we doing well? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so thank you. But we know, if you, actually, there it is. If you have an Amazon Echo, you can say, Alexa, I want to listen to the Fanboy Planet podcast. That's great. If and they're Alexa, listening to you at home now, And Alexa will play the Fanboy Planet podcast, starting with whatever the most recent episode is. Yep. I've discovered that. I had, I'm going to be honest, a creepy moment with Alexa last week where uh, I said... I was at the door and I went, "Oh, Alexa, turn off the lights." And I and Stephanie said, "Don't you don't have to raise your voice to Alexa." And as a joke, <laughs> I said, "I'm Alexa, I'm sorry." And she answered, "It's okay." And I went, "Oh my god, we got to go." <laughs> so, funny funny story. We we in the living room, we both have an Xbox that's hooked up to the media center and we have an Alexa, yeah. the original device. And Cortana is the voice-activated thing for Xbox. Yes. And Cortana has occasionally stepped in and answered stuff for Alexa. I'll, I'll say... Do you think they're fighting behind your back? Well, uh, we call the activation word in our, our house is Echo. So he's Echo, da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Cortana said, can I help you with that? I didn't, you know, Can I find that for you on the web or whatever? It's like we got dueling AIs in the house now. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And then when you see, you know, the article I posted this week about uh, the Tokyo Disneyland preview that they announced for Beauty and the Beast. See those figures? Oh, yeah. They're so realistic. It's even though they're looking like cartoon characters, the movement is so scary. I'm like, yep, it's just a matter of time. Look, I give up. I give up. That's fine. Well, they used, it was kind of like what they did with Little Mermaid. 
on Paradise Pier, right? But it's better. But oh, it's, no, it's not on. I'm sorry. First of all, it's not Paradise Pier. It's not. It's Pixar Pier. Uh, it was. Well, Paradise it was Pier, Paradise but Pier. But I don't think that side actually counts as Paradise Pier. Okay. I, I don't know what they called that, but because it was originally the Whoopi Goldberg ride. What? Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. It was a. It was a, a history of California. Cal, California Dreaming is that what it was called? I, I never wrote it. I never wrote it. But Whoopi Goldberg was the spirit of California. Okay. And, and that's why it's an odd shape for a dark ride because they just they knew when they redid it that they, they took, I guess, a Little Mermaid was a, in Orlando and they just plopped it in there. But right. it doesn't look like any other dark ride building that they have. It's like it's way too big for what it is. Right. It's, it's got an incredible walkthrough that's never full. It's yeah. Like, yeah. No, I actually know you're wrong. I, and, oh, that's really? how you, and that's how you know the park's too crowded. When there's a line for, for Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid wow. We've always just like walked on and you have to kind of like run through the aisles. Oh, that stuff. used to be my default. And I've been many times now where it is, you, especially since... Guardians of the Galaxy opened. Yeah, that the park is just too full. People are coming. Wow! But I didn't finish all my ads. The other thing is, of course, <laughs> we got Amazon. We got you, Think Geek, and of course, if you just like to help uh, support the cost of, I don't know if it's the right the right phrasing to say support the cost. If you want to help defray the cost of of, the, of running the podcast, yeah. you can donate at PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And of course, if you have any questions. Comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can also follow us on our Facebook page, Fanboy Planet, where I, I was really pleased. I remembered to do what we said on the last podcast I do, yes. which is put an announcement on the Facebook page that we would be recording at Seven Stars. And I didn't do it like an hour before we showed up. I actually did it a couple of days in advance saying, okay, we will be here the evening of, uh, of the 12th. Uh, so that was very good there. You can follow us, and we have updates and announcements there, as well as you can follow us on Twitter and tweet at us, at Fanboy Planet, and as well, Instagram, at Fanboy Planet. And I think that's all the ad stuff, of course, although I, I guess I, I should, for my own sake, say, it's not too late to buy my book, I Was Flesh Gordon, as a Christmas gift you on Amazon.com. You can get it. Just it- Almost anybody. It's perfect for almost anyone. They're almost, except for people that are um, maybe Southern Baptists. Th- th- uh, there are three copies left at, at Elusive Comics and Games. I oh, checked wow. tonight. Okay. I don't mean to be obsessive, but when I did a signing over there, they did have me sign several more and, and put them there, and they have three so, left. So still three signed copies There are three Elusive. signed copies okay. at, at Elusive Comics and Games in Santa Clara, California. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's it. We got a little bit of comics news, a little bit of TV movie news, TV news. But I think our top story is TV news because we just we made it through the three part crossover all last night. I stayed up late because I had to watch it on the CW app. Okay. So Monday night watched the Sunday night episode. Okay. And then last night watched. Uh, so that was the Flash. We're talking right, elsewhere. Right. Right. But watch the Flash on Monday night. Last night at about 8.30, I'm like, okay, i got to watch Arrow. And then I recorded Supergirl. I'm like, can I outlast anybody else that wants to use the TV tonight and, <laughs> uh, and stay up and watch it? But luckily, I was awake enough on the app, so at 10 o'clock. It popped up. It popped up on the app. So I stayed up and watched, uh, and watched Supergirl. So I was ready for tonight to talk about, of course, again, you know, between... I still haven't watched the Doctor Who finale, but between the two of those right, events, right. Facebook 
was a minefield for me. Like everybody going, oh yeah, oh my god, oh yeah, this and that, and I'm like, you know. So of course I knew how, and, and this it's not a spoiler. By by six p.m., my East Coast friends had posted Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right, right, right. And to which I say, I'm going to start at the be- start at the end. I mean, this is like the Quentin Tarantino podcast. We're going to start at the end, and I'm going to say, why are you all losing your crap? When the very pilot of the Flash began saying that the Flash was had disappeared by 2020, still missing after the Red Skies, so the very first episode of the Flash promised the Crisis on Infinite Earths yes. was going to happen. Yes. So, first of all, well played. CW. And it lasted through Flashpoint too. Yeah. 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 So. It is kind of weird that Flashpoint came before Crisis on Infinite Earths. So but, they weren't ready. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the real, first of all, their version of Flashpoint was so not kind of the comics yeah. Flashpoint. Yeah, yeah. But their Crisis on Infinite Earths, their Elseworlds, I mean, funny that they took that so that they so they wouldn't do Crisis on Infinite Earths a year too early. Their version, uh, this Elseworlds was like, man, this was like the promise of every great comics crossover that DC has done with the right. execution of most of those not so great crossover, I'm, I'm going to be unpopular for this. Uh, you know, it was fun, and I loved seeing the all musical these one was interact. pretty weak. That too, but I that was just two episodes. That was two right, shows. It was just two of the shows, but it was a crossover. It was, um, but I would agree with that was the most disappointing. As much as I like Darren Chris, a disappointing execution right, of the right. music meister. With, with especially when we've seen the cartoon version of it. Which was great. They should have just brought Neil Patrick Harris yeah. in. But let's focus yeah. on the three-part crossover in which the DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which is such its own creature and so bat-guano insane. Especially this season. And delightful. With with uh, it, with Constantine. Constantine. It just it. doesn't fit. It's yeah. okay. I, you know, I'm fine but with that. But they still had a call-out to it. Uh, and I appreciated that, too. A shout-out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, if you think Legends of Tomorrow has been so meta, too, because in the first episode they said, like, Oh, we're doing this to see if we can get our ratings up with the Time Bureau. Yes, you know, these yes exactly. <laughs> so we get Elseworlds. We get Doctor Destiny because that's who Doctor John Deegan was, right? Which they didn't reveal to the end. No. Um, so again, I'm sorry. I hope you've all watched it by the time you're listening to this podcast. It's going to be a little spoilery right now. I think so. I think it was one without being spoiler. I think it was a little miss, slight missed opportunity, especially since they called it Elseworlds, and they brought in uh, the Flash from Earth ninety. And again, we have to ask what Earth names itself like not number one. I mean, they should all be fighting to be Earth one. Well, okay. So here's the thing: they have established on the show, yeah, for whatever reason. That all the alternate Earths have named themselves these other these other numbers. Right, right, right. Sort of like I guess it's really a page from Marvel of Alan Moore putting in that Marvel was or you know Marvel Earth, Universe was Earth six sixteen. Yeah, but that makes more sense. It's like you know you you you, you the somebody re- outside yeah. of that did the numbering. The right? revelation of Earth ninety, however, breaks their own rules, and nobody commented that every Harrison Wells has said there are fifty two. It's he's got them all numbered right. from one to fifty-two. They aren't numbered sequentially. And then they created, well, they had Earth X last year, yeah, which you could maybe make a case was really Earth Ten to steal from Grant Morrison. Okay, 
Maybe. I, I'm, I, okay. I'm filling in the plot holes for them right now. But the thing I was going to say, since they did Elseworlds, and they don't want to use Batman, right? But they could have... For whatever reason. For whatever reason. They could have done... They could have brought in, like, Gotham by Gaslight. You know, bring in one of the alternate Batmans. That would have been super cool. You know, bring in the vampire Batman or, you know, uh, just... Yeah. Well, I think the door's open, and then what's undeveloped is how many of these characters exist on multiple Earths. Like, they don't want to use Batman for Earth-1. I'm using right. quotation signs. For the Arrow versus Earth-1, but Earth-38 is uh, Kara's, is Kara's, is Supergirl's? I think that's right. So, Earth-38, she made it clear they have a Batman. Yeah. And, which the show has said before, because they made a thing about how Martian Manhunter said Kryptonians can't you know, can't can't detect me or something, and the, right. like I, I give Superman. Superman hates that. So you know, they, there's a Justice League on in the in, on the world of Supergirl that they don't ever show. Well, this is one of the things I alluded, and when we were talking earlier, I said that I watched it with Justin last night, and Justin doesn't read a lot of DC comics. He reads my Marvels when I've left them out and stuff. But yeah. um, he had, he knew enough that when uh, Supergirl and Batwoman like shook hands at the end and they, we made a good team and the other one says world's finest Justin said oh it's Huntress and Power Girl and I said oh that's interesting I hadn't thought about it that way because well, they did because the new 52 had a world a book called world's finest right. that was Huntress and Power Girl right so it's it's uh, but to make that connection because he's getting all of his comics history right now through YouTube videos which are people who are scanning the pages of the comics, eliminating the words from the word balloons, and doing voiceover on it. I was watching, last night he was, he was watch reading uh, White Knight, uh, Batman White Knight. Hmm. And, it's, and it's the panels of the comics without the words, but somebody's doing the dialogue behind them. And he watches a lot of stuff that way. Didn't Marvel's at one point, the Marvel's uh, the the their, what did they call that? They were the MCU app, um, Marvel Comics Unlimited. Did didn't they flirt with voiceover or promise it at one? I don't. Cross Gen did. Okay, that's what it was long before, and no one remembers Cross Gen. And of course, the Watchmen. Watchmen uh, did. Watchmen it. motion comic. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, you have to turn in your nerd card. You you, you use the I article. Use, I corrected quickly. Huh? Yeah, well, I, but no, but the Watchmen I've comic marked did. It down. I've marked it down. Okay. Uh, that. Uh, Crossgen did, yeah, yeah, did that. Although I don't know that anybody really had access to it. Like I think that was for libraries to encourage, like for schools, it was supposed ah. to be a reading program. Uh, good idea that it was ahead of its time. Um, but, but these yes, aren't these closure. aren't being done by the these yeah. are being done by just fans to put them up on. Well, that for is people interesting. That is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I mean. And I think, and I know that uh, Shout Factory is still doing those Marvel uh-huh. motion comics, and occasionally with Dynamite because there was that Red Sonia one a couple of years ago that Gail Simone wrote. Mm-hmm. So they're still doing that. It is interesting. I also assume that digitally there are all these catch up. You know, all, it's not quite the DC. Right, con- right. Uh, it's not. The, it's the not the who's, who's who thing. But, but there are places you can look up. I mean, there are so many wikis. You can just say, yeah. like, what's the history of this? Yeah, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Um, so yeah, there were Easter eggs there. The implication that Earth ninety 
John Diggle is actually John Stewart. Yes, that was, uh, and I, I had to think about that for a second. What's going on? And I went, oh my God. And I'm, Justin and I stopped every, like every 10 minutes, we stopped to discuss what Easter eggs had just come through. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was fun. It was funny. It was exciting in places because as much as, and I, you know, I'm sorry, and you and I, so I know we're in agreement, as much as Tyler Hecklin he's too he's, skinny for he's, me yeah okay and his and his teeth are not perfect to me superman has perfect teeth i don't know why i think superman should and it's not a reflection they have to of his glint every time he smiles i still want to say in the 21st century tyler hecklin is the best superman we've had true and i watched it and went crap what i want is christ on infinite earths to merge them all and to let tyler hecklin be in a big screen Superman movie. Yeah. I would yeah. just I just want that. He doesn't need to be as broody as the And know. there was that well he, no he isn't and that's No, great. I mean that's that he doesn't need he to be as broody so, as the one they've got right he now. He is so relaxed as Superman. Yeah. He is Grant Morrison's all-star Superman vision. True. Who is completely comfortable yep. as I think Christopher Reeve was. And and I'll still say no one is as iconic as Christopher Reeve, but Tyler Hecklin, and it's no fault of anybody else, you know, it's, it's Tyler Hecklin is so comfortable in that role, a Superman who totally gets that there's something a little bit bemusing about the awe that people hold him in mm-hmm. because he still thinks he's Clark Kent. Well, he's still the farm boy from Kansas. Yeah, you know, and, and then, okay, that was the spoiler on Sunday night when people were like, and they played Somebody Save Me. And I'm like, shut up. Because I was like, oh, exactly. Stephen ML on social media trolled fans so hard because he posted a photo of the Kent farm. So it is the exact same set, obviously. Yeah. The same location they used for Smallville. And then he posted pictures of photos with, with Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum. Ah. And he said, you know, so glad <laughs> to be working with these guys. Oh my and everybody's God. like, oh, my God. Well, what it is is last week he announced uh, he's got a winery, and they've gone into partnership nice, with him on the winery. Nice, so nice. <laughs> it was like, oh. And Stephen ML, I, I forgive you. I love you. You so get it. You know, he... Which he does, you know. I still think he's somewhat, now not having really caught up on Arrow, I still think he's somewhat limited as an actor, but as a human being, and that occasionally gets to run through. And maybe it's the way Green Arrow is written, that when he actually lets his hair down, and like in this episode, yes. in this crossover, is pretending to be Barry and trying to be more like Barry. Yes. It's like there's something absolutely hilarious and charming about him that I don't think he has ever gotten to be for me in the show and, and partially and because it. my vision of Green Arrow is Oliver Queen as the guy irritating everybody else yes. and giving everybody crap instead of the, the grip, super left wing instead of being the Batman clone yeah. that they needed him to be right and even the guy that was I'm blank Justin Hartley he was the guy on he's on uh, This Is Us right now but was on Smallville I absolutely adored him as Green Arrow, right? And so it was really hard for me to adjust to the first season of Arrow because it's like I just saw the version of Green Arrow I want, except for the vocal modulator. I hated that. Yeah. But everything else about him was like, yeah, he totally gets what it is to be rich, and you know, which is Ben Affleck being Batman. What's your superpower again? I'm rich. You know, I'm just like, well, whatever. I can throw money, whatever problem, and I choose to throw it into 
boxing glove well, arrows. That's, that's self dimi- <laughs> uh, self diminishing on on uh, Affleck's side because obviously there's a lot of training and uh, you know, thought and oh no no the no, 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 no I don't want it. to diminish because yeah. I think Affleck is a fantastic Batman as well right and the same thing Henry Cavill might be a good Superman but they weren't allowed to be the best versions of what they could be they were not in great movies yeah whereas Tyler Hecklin is so clearly rising above. You know, and 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 this was a crossover that the trolled us with Richard Donner so hard because you know you end with Lois dressed like Margot Kidder on the date scene yes. in Superman the movie, and he burns his hand, or you know, he, he, he yeah. reaches into no, so many reaches so much fan coals. service, and yeah. that's what he I, doesn't and, burn and his and hand. What I enjoyed it doesn't. If you think about it too hard, this crossover doesn't hold together too well. But on the other hand, it's again another one of those moments where I'm like. The monitor showed up. Can I believe the monitor showed the up? Monitor exactly showed like he was from perfect. the comic. That oh. you got psycho pirate, right? And, and, and the line, the final psycho pirate line, was the was the yeah. the, 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 the the crisis byline. Although you know? the thing I don't believe about Batwoman or Batman is that they would find out that Doctor Destiny and Psycho Pirate were befriending each other in Arkham Asylum and just go, hey. How about some other heroes keep an eye on them? <laughs> yeah. And that's where this epi- where the limitations of being a CW show, I think. Yeah, I think I, she was particularly good through most of it. I mean, she really came across yeah. as kind of the detached, um, solitary. Uh, I'm dealing with Gotham. Uh, nobody, else, anybody else gets in. This is going to screw things up. And then at the end, she was like all jokey with him and saying, "Oh, you wish I wouldn't wasn't going to call you anymore." And I, I think that felt really that was a sad sorrow note for like, me. And I just think in the writing, like even the thing with Supergirl saying, "I think we would have made a good team." I'm like, "Yeah, there really wasn't anything that had happened that made that make sense." No. other than they wanted to say world's finest, you know, that they wanted to make the joke. So I to make us all go <laughs> like Smallville. Used to you know have these flash forwards where you just show the cape yeah, flapping yeah, yeah. in the space because Tom Welling wouldn't, wouldn't wear the those. cape. Yeah. Uh, so you know I was I, I was irritated uh, while I was served. Also feeling like okay they're just sort of throwing that at us so that we will all get excited. And on that level it worked. We and did then get you excited end with <laughs> with Crisis on Infinite Earths and announcing. And people were saying, oh, it's just this endless thing. I'm like, but that's the thing. That is, you want to talk about a translation of what comics have been doing for the last five or six years perfectly. Yeah. You know, saying each crisis as they built forward was leading to the next one. So this made perfect sense that it's like when the monitor said there's something bigger coming. Right. And that's, that's why I'm doing this is like, oh, okay. I knew where it was going. This is logical. This is the confidence of a show that knows that it's coming back next year. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, 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 that and, speaks and a universe volumes. that is coming back next year, and that they can do it, whatever they decide to do with it. Yeah, you know, and um, well, it, it gives them an opportunity to bring in, bring Supergirl into the. I mean, they can now combine the worlds. They can now be on the same Earth, and and that's it. Give me a crisis on Infinite Earths that means. Supergirl takes place on the same planet. And they can redo the characters a little bit because if you want Oliver Queen not to be so broody, this is the way to do it, you know? I think he's going to sacrifice himself. I think that's the that's the long term. Next yeah. year is season seven yeah. for Arrow. We've talked about that. And it ends. 
and it ends with him sacrificing himself in the crisis, and his team wraps up, wraps up the series, and then Batwoman can show up, and they can be a mm. Batwoman series or a Tyler Hecklin Superman well, series. You, are you caught up on? You're not caught up on Arrow right now. No, no, no. Because they've been they've been fat, they've been doing flash forwards in they've Arrow. Flash, I, I, I'm aware with you know? with his son and stuff. So yeah, Connor takes over if the if Could the be. ratings are that good. Ammo comes back for guest shots, whatever, yeah. flashbacks, what flash forwards, I don't care. But I you know, I, I think honestly if if these shows stay on the CW, it's they're rapidly reaching the saturation point. They've got too many good ideas that need shows of their own. Isn't that a great problem to have though? Oh, but I'm so overwhelmed. Don't you wish the movies had that problem? They kinda do, and we'll talk about that <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, I want to talk comics. First of all, talking about events, March is the time, and I forgot to put this in the agenda, but that uh, March is the time that Marvel usually gets wrecked, you know, rolling with their big crossovers. Uh-huh. So in the last day, they've been sending out images like, who really gave the Fantastic Four their powers? Who do, who did the, like all the, who really gave the, made the Hulk incredible? They're they're going Stanley. to. Uh, it's a cosmic ghostwriter apparently has something to do with it. Oh I saw my. a little thing before I came down here. But uh, my, my money's on Mopey, the imp that gave Flash his powers in uh, a, <laughs> an issue of Flash in the 60s they want to forget about. But uh, if any universe shouldn't rewrite and have that little dark history after we just finished with Hickman yep. saying this is what's been really going on, I'm oh, I'm tired. I don't want to. No. This is what really was going on, right? I, I just I don't. I, I mean, I'm sure, especially when because it's never light and happy. No, and you <laughs> and you know as, as you as you know well because it was your pick a couple of weeks ago. This Fantastic Four revival in particular has been so fantastic. Yeah, and you know it, it's like I no can I get. Can I just get enjoy, a status quo? Let's just enjoy and the enjoy way it is. these yeah. books, and this sure. is why. Write some great you know, stories. It's not. It's not diversity that's killing those two mainstream companies. No, it's that they are so determined that the others will fail, and that they must have this big. I want Marvel to just say, "Look, you know what they are? They're an IP generator. They are a curator for the movies and TV. Yeah, for Disney, or they should be. They should be." But particularly the Fantastic Four, because they've had, like, what is it, two years off? You know, they just came back. Yeah. You know, nobody, it's not going to make you, You've got new fans of that book. Yeah. They, they never read it before. They don't need a, a shake-up in the status quo to, to tell interesting stories. They've already done it by the virtue of what happened to the family while they were gone, well, the expanded family. And, 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 I, face, and I, I see this, like, with guiding with people going into comic shops. With Captain Marvel, that suddenly Captain Marvel is, you know, everybody's aware because of that trailer dropping, and I think we talked about it. Um, But with all the relaunches they have done in the last six or seven years, which volume one of which Captain Uh Marvel series does somebody go back and start with when it goes one, two, three, and then it was rebooted again? And, I mean, they are actually all pretty good, but it's just, you know, like I would say... Like right now, um, like Luke and I were talking with the Immortal Hulk. I said, right. okay, he really got started in Avengers No Surrender, but luckily at least that was done so that when the Immortal Hulk started, it didn't matter that he had come back in Avengers No Surrender. You di- I hadn't caught up to that point 
in No Surrender when I started reading Immortal Hulk. Right. And so I'm like, fine. Or uh, this week, it's not one of my picks because I just didn't is that they released a Defenders crossover of the original Defenders. Right. And there are all these one-shots. But you don't have well, to had- read anything else right. in order to get that event. So I didn't pick those up, and I'm a big Defenders fan. I I, I don't all the prelude. I looked flipped through the books, and it's like I don't I, care. I, I don't know why I did, but I did. Yeah. Um, but it does lead into my my next thing is like do an event all at once. And yesterday, all at once, an entire new publisher showed up online. Wow. And I say literally out of nowhere, but the reality is just nobody knew. Nobody else in the industry. Everybody else was sworn to silence and secrecy. And the people that were working on the books couldn't say. Stealth launch. They were work- It was a stealth launch. TKO Studios. And you, so you go to TKOstudios.com because right now the only way to get their books right now is online through them. But that's a, almost a bit of a misnomer. So online, if you use VIP access as the code, they Ah. launched four titles yesterday. VIP access grants you access to digital copies of the first issue of each of the first four books. So the first one's free. But here's the thing. All six issues of each miniseries are available for purchase and, and reading now. Right now. Right now, you can order it as digital if you prefer reading digitally. You can order from for, from them six individual issues all in one slipcase, or you can get a trade paperback if that's your preferred method. Which we should we should confirm this is not a paid paid promotion because no, it's not. It's I'm just been a very impressive. This uh, is an impressive thing. Uh, and I read the the first issues of the four. I went to uh, Elusive Comics and Games this evening, and I asked them. I said, "So, were I had not heard anything until yesterday? Were you aware this was coming? You know, did the retailers know? And are you ready to sell TKO Studios?" And they said, "No, they're not in Diamond. The only way that retailers can get hard copies of these books to sell." is to go to their distribution email. They had info, I think, at tkostudios.com. And many retailers, I won't say all retailers, but many have been emailing, and as of tonight's recording, not a one has gotten a response. Uh-huh. So they say they're a studio, they're a comics book publisher for today's market. And I think in some way... There's something very smart and, to me, very absolutely appropriate of a reality that people do prefer. They have their preferred reading format. Uh-huh. I think a digital, that's not entirely my thing. There are still, I love having trades. I love buying individual issues. But in this case, because all six are already there, I'd rather just have the trade because it's there. So I would buy it in that format. I love I, the sub- it's more subversive nature of all this. I, it's I, subversive, absolutely. I, I just like I. So let me go needs over to break these in. titles and see what's interesting to people, and list some of these creators. So the first book is a World War II book, which I freely admit, not my favorite comic genre. I enjoy war movies, but I don't really like reading. I'm not really a big fan of Sergeant Rock, other than drooling over Howling Joe Commanders? Cooper art. Commandos? No, nope. I mean no? you know, I used to love some, that book. but it's not my thing. It's yeah. just not my thing. And it's not to say, and in this case, same thing. It's not my thing, but I recognize this is well done. Garth Ennis and Steve Epting is the artist on a book called Sarah. 
and it's Nazi-occupied Russia, 1942. And here's what I really respect, is it's a viewpoint I've never seen in a war comic before, which is they're women, Russian women, who are being trained as snipers because they're being occupied by the Nazis. So the Russian army has trained them to be snipers and is protecting them because they know the land. All their men have been captured by the Nazis or off elsewhere in, in the war. So they know the land. They know the forests. They know the farmland. When the Nazis come rolling in, they know where to hide. They know where to snipe. And so it's an interesting, uh, interesting thing. Uh, so the Eastern Front, and it is a beautiful-looking book. As I say, not necessarily my thing, but I recognize it's hella quality. To sound very Northern Californian, it's hella quality. But also, you're putting you're putting a female uh, persona on the war, which hasn't been done. Right, 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 right. So absolutely. So it's just uh, you know that there's one, seven deadly sins, which is one of the founders of uh, of TKO Studios as a, as a, a person named Si Chun, and I I, I don't know if, if Si Chun is uh, male or female, so I, I'm just. Or perhaps a different identification. I don't so know. So they. They. They are a terrific writer, and they are writing two books so far in this first wave. Seven Deadly Sins is a Western. 1857 Texas, a group of death row criminals is recruited by a Mexican priest for a suicide mission in a common churia. So it's like the Magnificent Seven on the surface, but each one of them is... An incarnation of the of sin. seven deadly sins, ah. and it sets them up well in the first issue. The artist is is someone named Artyom Trakhanov. I don't know; I've never encountered their art before, but it is terrific. It's like a little bit of Staten, Joe Staten. It's with a little Nesta Redondo in there, like it, it, Alfredo P. Alcala. So it looks sort of like a DC Western from okay. the seventies, like Jonah Hex. A little Kelly Jones in there. I mean, and I don't say this to like take away from any of the of this artist's style. It's just like I always do that. Those are great. Those are great artists. Who are the influences that I see? Yeah, you know, and what impresses the heck out of me is like when their art is their own. Like I wrote to Liam Sharp last week after Green Lantern two, and I said, "You've got Basil Wolverton in there. You've got Neil Adams, and yet it all adds up to something that's that's so inimitably Liam Sharp." Uh-huh. That I love being able to pick out the influences, but also going, you made it into your own thing. That's what I want to see, you know. And so that's what this book does. If I, so, likely if I can get my hands on a trade paperback, the only one I probably won't buy the trade paperback of is Sarah, because like I said, it's my, you know, as yeah. far as the subject matter, yeah. uh, war being my least favorite genre in comics. I'm not even really that huge a Western fan, but I love this. Do you, did they say how much they're charging for the? Uh, I believe it was seventeen ninety five for oh, the for the trade paperbacks for six issue. It's yeah. a little more expensive to buy the box set of the six issues, uh-huh. and it's a little. I think it's a little more expensive than that to to buy the digital copies. If you're going for collectability, though, the individual issues are going to be the collector's. Oh, items. I would agree with that absolutely. Yeah. So the next one, and this is by far the best book. And it is by a friend of the podcast, Joshua Dysart. It's called Goodnight Paradise. And the artist is uh, Alberto Ponticelli. So the two of them had uh, collaborated on The Unknown Soldier for Vertigo right, many right. years ago. Yeah. So that was a Great terrific book. book. Yeah. You know, and there I just said, 
I don't like war books, but that one. And this is, I'm calling it out again. And I've said this many times privately. I'm going to say it publicly if I haven't on the podcast before. When the history books, if we have history books about comics in the 21st century get written, Josh Dysart is going to be one of the most important writers in the first half of the 21st century because he has managed to take legitimate real-world concerns and consistently, even in his valiant superhero books, legitimate real-world concerns and mask them a little bit in the comics format. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's a superhero story, and in this case, it's a murder mystery. But what makes this, and I know because I we are vaguely friends, um, that I know that he lived, he did for a while. I'm not sure if he still does live in Venice Beach, which is being gentrified and taken over by uh, I think Instagram is the main yeah. company going in right now, setting up office buildings, and the rents are going up because all these employees from Instagram are are showing up. The the, the detective in this, the unwilling detective, is a homeless man. Uh, who does clearly suffer from a bit of mental illness, but who discovers another street person, young woman, murdered, and realizes that if he does not solve the murder, no one will care. No one else cares enough, not even the police, because it's just another dead homeless person. So I, I read the first issue and was just blown away, not just by the plotting and the concept, which was a great idea, but because it is really a look at a the situation. problem right, right. and the gentrification. Well, that's kind of – that's Josh's uh, no, that's that's real house because he that's goes what I'm saying. with Unrun Soldier. He spent time in Africa doing research on the political situation so, there. He is yeah. an important – and I've talked to people at Valiant about this and I've said this at parties and just said – and almost, almost always sober – uh, when I, I've said, uh, you know, Josh, I wasn't at that party. Uh, you were uh, no the sober one. No, you weren't. <laughs> um, but that I've said to valiant people is like you. You have employed the, uh, I, I, and I actually I did say that to him sober once, and I said that it's like, and Josh, I'm sober, so you can't even pretend that I'm drunk saying this. You are simply one of the most important writer writers working in comics today, because you are. Using this genre because I want to. So, like, an article came out this week saying it is the fat. Uh, uh, I, I said genre, didn't I? The the format using this format because uh, an article came out saying graphic novels is the fastest growing genre in literature. I'm like, it's not a genre; it's a form. It encompasses like novels are a form; they're not a genre. You know, it, it's. Don't you love it when the illiterate write about literature? Not illiterate. I think it's still. Here we are in 2018, and people are still just one step above, pow, wham, comics aren't just for kids anymore in their headlines. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and here's this absolutely moving story where I'm looking at it and going, it's been a long time since I've been at Venice in Venice Beach. Just don't get there, you know. But it's like, oh, I recognize some of this architecture. I I recognize these buildings. And it's, it's just a brilliant, brilliant book. The last one I think is the one you're going to have the most fun with, because I mean, you know, can I can I preview what I proposed as a panel for Baycon in May? Sure, sure. Because I don't know if it's going to happen, but I was thinking I wanted to have a discussion about famous literary characters that just we keep trying to revive them and they just don't fit out of time, and maybe it's just time to say right. 
those books are out there or those old comics are there. Let them be and enjoy those. Stop trying to update. And Or just represent them as they were. And I don't know. I, don't I, I don't need them. new ones. Like, I, I said, yeah. you know, like, as much as I like it, is there too many people that are honestly, you know, like, offended? Honestly, there are people and it's going to grow. Is why... Uh, I don't. I think the last Tarzan movie bombed is because the genre, the concept is so. And why John Carter subtitle of Mars uh, bombed is because we've kind of moved past those kind. Of, because other people have added, changed, and like those original characters. The original stuff is great. It's there in the past, but they. But you can't move it into. You can't tell a like a Tarzan story set in 2018. No, but you could tell a Sherlock that proved that. So I mean, that's kind of my debate, you know. You know, yeah, yeah, in a yeah, panel yeah. is like I'm not gonna. I don't have a solid answer. I just want to say, like, you know, what characters are still working? Blah, blah blah. Here's one because last week we talked about how Marvel wants to develop Shang Chi, and then of course everybody's wringing their hands uh, about well, there's the problematic thing about Fu Manchu. So how do you make Fu Manchu work? In a, even just in a comic book, even if it's not set in the 21st century, with our sensibilities? And the answer is, again, from TKO Studio co-founder C. Chun, uh, collaborating with a writer named Mike Weiss, an artist, I, lo- I, I love the art, Dan McDade. And the book is called The Fearless Dr. Fang. And it is, I, I don't want to spoil for anybody who, who loves it, is this subverts the Fu Manchu mythos so beautifully and so excitingly, it feel it, it's just pulsing with pulp, you know. And, and I mean that in the most positive way, while yet being in a in not a strange way, an overdue way. It's almost like I, I'll go this far. It's almost like a positive portrayal of Fu Manchu. Kim Newman found a way around it in Anno Dracula, I think, to some extent. Well, he stayed really. Period. I mean, that's yeah, that's but, and I mean, but and he, he found, and this is set. This is set like I think it's the nineteen twenties. Okay, but. Kim Newman stayed period, but it found a way to make an explanation for Fu Manchu being who Fu Manchu was in a way right, that wasn't as offensive right. as what Sax Romer was originally doing. And again, and don't, and I'm not saying fight me, Rick. It's just like again, it's one of the things where I say when we are two middle-aged white men, we have no business commenting on why anybody who is perhaps Asian American shouldn't be offended by Fu Manchu. I acknowledge that many are. And right. and it is a character that in uh, media, in other media, has never been played by an Asian American actor. Well it's good that this is this is not I mean, you know, you, you kinda wonder about not necessarily dog whistles, but because there is so much already uh, groundwork set for Fu Manchu, but when you create a new character to play in that that role you can you can do the twist around and say let's and, and so let's this not is the answer the, and i recommend this book it is i'm anxious to go home and read it <laughs> yeah uh you know i i, I do want to support my um my local comic shop so if they get an answer I'm, I'm holding off on ordering online these trades because if if elusive you know or earth 2 get copies uh depending on which city i'm in uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick them up from there because, again, I, I do very strongly believe, and I, I can't emphasize enough. I think we've we though we've tried. You know that I want to support those stores. You know, I'm happy to read that there was a report recently that independent bookstores are back on the upswing after being convinced that they were shutting down as a result of Amazon. And the reality is, and as I've I've said for a couple of years, it's 
because independent bookstores and comic book stores, I count as that for the most part, they build a sense of community. And that sense of community is bringing people in yeah. and bringing people back. So, you know, the only thing now is, of course, then uh, perhaps landlords realize, hey, this is a successful business or this is a trendy place to be. So they raise the rents and then you get, hey, you don't even get a Barnes & Noble. You get an Amazon bookstore where, uh, a, well, actually, yeah, Amazon, there was a Barnes & Noble in Santana Row. It's gone. No, it was yeah. a Borders. It was a Borders. Yes, you're right. Borders shut down. And Amazon is And now is there's there. an Amazon store in there. You know. Um, so, which is a good store. I mean, it's, it, they they've got a lot of interesting books, and they do some they do some good things for retail too. Like I'm sure they, they have this they have this whole section. Like, if you like this book, here are five books that you might like. All right. Well, see, and that's what I think. Of, uh, again, that we're back to community. Um, so, I'm going to say it's time for pick of the week. Go with what I've accidentally already recommended to cheated. Uh, but uh, so go with your pick of the week. So um, books you can actually buy in the store this week. No secret that I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan. We've already talked a lot about it. And one of the big things that's happened in the last couple of months is that in the in the book, Benjamin Grimm, the Thing, proposed to Alison Alison Masters, Alicia Alicia Masters. Huge fan, huge fan. She's not been in the book lately. Um, <laughs> First, there hasn't been a book lately uh, until uh, recently. Yeah. So, um, man. <laughs> anyway, the they've been they've been advertising in the backs of lots of the books the f- upcoming wedding. Yes. And today on the stands was the Fantastic Four wedding special issue number one. It is a one shot. It is uh, $4.99. Mm-hmm. It is three separate stories, none of which is the wedding. Those were like Batman number 50. Exactly. Exactly. So, Are they getting death threats? They are. And one, one of the stories is actually just a few pages by Fred Hembeck, which, Hembeck. Which, um, which is already foreshadowed. By the second story in the book, I love Fred Hembeck. The first book, the first story in the book is about the bridal shower party. The second story in the book is about Ben going to ask for Alicia's father's permission. And do you remember who who the puppet master? The puppet master who's in prison. And the third story is uh, kind of the same storyline. It's almost like an editor said, "Give me a, give me a, give me a story. I don't care what it is. I need, I need uh, four to t- four to eight pages for this uh, for this special." And then they didn't look at any of the plot summaries before they gave them the go ahead. Um, you may guess that I'm going to recommend that this. Is not a book that you want to spend four ninety nine on unless you're absolutely over the top, needing to collect everything about this wedding. It's too bad because you did already purchase it. But yes, um, it's it's mildly amusing. The art and layout on the first story is terrible. Um, it's not it's not it's not that it's ugly art. It's just everything. The layout is so mishmashed and this, the, the pacing is weird and bad. The second story is better. The art is good. The storyline is uh, pretty good and it ends in kind of a dark note 
which we've never, which I'm, I'm fearful. We have never seen anything leading up to this, this, the end of this story. And I suspect we're never going to see a follow up on this dark note, which interesting in any given, any given other story, it would be a prelude to like a sense shattering, um, yeah. Breakup of, 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 of Titanic proportions. All right. Um, so, uh, I'm really saying this is, this is passworthy. You, you, you don't have to buy this book and hopefully, hopefully when they get around to the actual wedding, which I love the fact, I've always loved the fact that Ben Grimm is Jewish and it's going to be a Jewish, Jewish, uh, ceremony. And, um, yeah. I, I'm I'm very I'm looking forward to that. I thought I was going to get this at this afternoon. I did not, and I'm a little bummed. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I I decided I, I'm going to follow my own rules. That I I do think so far what I have read this week uh, and even picked up. I I did have another on my stack, but I'm going to have to go because you can get it for free using VIP access as the code. Read issue number one of Josh Dysart's goodnight paradise because i have actually read a lot of books this week um not necessarily in my stack t- what, today. what was the one? Oh, uh, so i was gonna say uh, oh batman, unseen, batman annual number three i'll just throw that yeah. in there because batman annual number two last year was one of the best batman stories i've ever read this one's called father's day and it's a it its starting point is the day the waynes were murdered from alfred's point of view oh interesting and it's that's a story I've never seen before, so uh-huh. I'm looking forward to it. But I haven't read it, so I'm saying kind of a, gu- a guarded. I suspect this will be good. Uh, so it's four ninety nine now, and I am getting cautious about that. But I'm going to stick with Goodnight Paradise because that story moved me, and it is like I immediately finished that first issue and went, "Crap! What's the best way for me to do everything that I want to do to support the people I want to support?" To pick up the next next, and if I could have last night binged it all, I would have. If I'd had a trade paperback in my hand, I would have stayed up and, and read the whole thing. You know, so um, can I can I can I nudge one in between uh, Elseworlds? Since, since you, you yes, you did. So the other book that I had, just in case you had chosen one, was um, Miles Morales Spider Man. Yes, issue I have one. that as well. And uh, I, I think this is it's timely because of the Spider Verse movie. And it's it's a nice evolution of the character and too. And written by Hugo Award uh, Hugo nominee uh, Saladin Ahmed. Oh yes, there he is. Who is you know to make uh, to make everybody in comics gauge head explode? Yes. Not only are we uh, doing the Black Puerto Rican Spider Man, uh, you know, I right, it's right, by right. Saladin Ahmed. So take that, you suckers, because one. He's a hell of a good... I'm going to say this, because I read Black Bolt and finished it. Uh-huh. And you would recommend it when it started? Yeah. The Saladin Ahmed told me two arcs about Black Bolt that gave me, made me give a crap. Shows what an incredible up-and-comer. And somebody was just, telling, it was just online saying, like, you know, DC... Uh, is got, they've got all the good writers. Marvel doesn't have anybody. I said, don't you dare yeah. turn your back on Saladin Ahmed because you know because Marvel because uh, DC took G Willow Wilson for 
for Superman, uh, for, for Wonder Woman, rather. So, um, but she's still writing Ms. Marvel, so don't count her yeah, out. Yeah. And I said, and you've got to look they at Immortal Hulk. They don't have stables Hulk. anymore. How you, what? They don't have total stables anymore. They don't have, you know, They have a few, because Bendis is exclusive. Sure, sure, sure. You know, there are people that are. What about Tom And then a lot of people are Coates. just going to, you know, their creator-owned books, because if you're going to write for somebody else's toy... Yeah, you know, you better just really, really have a story you want to tell about that other toy. Mm-hmm. When there's, when we're in this point, it's like somebody complaining about uh, why we haven't seen any monsters, recognizable monsters on on Doctor Who this year. As you and I uncovered that years ago at Gallifrey One, it's like the way the BBC used to do it is any time is the contract signed with the writers who created the monster. So anytime you use a Dalek. You yep. have to you you, you the, the BBC has to negotiate with Ter, Terry Nation or Terran Sticks. I think it's Terry Nation. Terry Nation's estate, yeah, to use that any any Cybermen, any you know anybody. I so it, it's it's why Chris Chibnall, for whatever fault he you may think about Doctor Who, is like why he created a bunch. They created a bunch of their own is so that they didn't have to pay anybody else. And by the way, if any of those hit. Chibnall gets the sweet, sweet money <laughs> in years to come. All those weeping angel t- Christmas tree toppers. Well, that's Stephen Moffat. Yeah. D- not Chibnall. Chibnall no, I'm is, just saying. I mean, you yeah. know, Chibnall gets the Tim Shaw, whatever that race is, oh, the, the, the villain. Yeah. He's created You ever watched the... You ever I watched haven't watched the, the finale yet, yeah. no. Because, uh, I'm sorry, someone had to binge Endgame. Uh, no, Elseworlds. I'm saying Endgame because that's the next thing. We'll talk about movies is the trailer dropped yeah. for Avengers Endgame. Yep. And I, I mentioned that I do feel a, a saturation is I saw the trailer. I didn't need to see the trailer. I'm like, at this point, is there anybody who saw Avengers Infinity War, which, by the way, was everybody. Um, One of my brothers texted me said i just watched avengers infinity war and then he had like four or five questions like okay yeah did you need anything in the way of a trailer other than the one that said flash the title avengers endgame april 2019 that's all i needed because we're gonna go he said so is this gonna be the last movie and i said well you know the actors are all very expensive they've kind of they've kind of done and they can do they can do another Avengers team if they want to do more Avengers. I just movies. don't want another trailer. Yeah. I've seen everything I need. We saw to too see. much because I really would have liked to have seen. Um, well, we can do spoilers on the trailer, right? Yeah. So I really would like to have seen the Ronan reveal just in the movie. That's a big reveal. Although I would say, I mean, flip side, to most people who consume the Avengers through movies, they don't know it. I would bet that if they if there weren't a thousand websites with Explaining some variation it, yeah. on the name Fanboy Planet, most would not have recognized that Hawkeye was even in another costume. Yeah, that it was a reveal. You know, I recognized it as Ronan sure. and went, "Yeah, okay, great, cool." But again, I didn't need it. I was happy that Ant Man shows that Scott Lang shows <laughs> that up at the so end. Good. Hi, remember me from Germany? Um, we met at the airport because we met we because. <laughs> Well, that's a mystery for us. How? I got really big. Well, for God's sake, I don't want to know how (laughs) until I see the movie, and that's the point. I'm so tired. Plus, I'm I'm so overwhelmed. I mean, to be honest, is is you know we saw. uh, Well, you haven't yet, but you know, once you see into the Spider Verse, which is going to be like, oh, 
F, how much better that can a Spider-Man movie get? Yeah. Well, you know, and the answer is it can't. It's already, it's a, it, you know, it, it, it is, you know, whatever. I'm so overwhelmed with that and still trying to process that. And then in a week, I get Aquaman, which, by the way, in its, what, first three days of release in China, China. Yeah. has already topped the entire run of Wonder Woman. It is the highest ri- I, I think Venom is still more money because it got the boost of Stan Lee's death, where they consider him Grandpa Stan. Um, Do you think, I mean, I was going back, after I'd heard that, I went back and looked at some of the art and stuff of Atlantis, and I was wondering if the architecture of the city is appealing to an Asian audience. Well, let me throw something else in here. There? What's the director's name? I don't know. James Wan. I love him as a director, and I suspect from what I'm reading is that Aquaman is so broad that it translates very easily to... You know, yeah. there's not a lot. It's sort of like Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, to me, the dialogue was not subtle because then there's not a lot of nuance you have to try to capture in a translation. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if you're shooting for a global audience, and they are. So I'm just excited to see Aquaman, what I finally do. Yeah. And then I'm going to have uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. And so by the time I get to April, dude, I... I'm superheroed out. The one, the one trailer that I think really went. Oh, I'm to, sorry. I also get Shazam. I get two Captain Marvels. The one that went, the one you haven't mentioned that in my mind went way too far into what it is because of the way the two prequels went and the, pre, the two prior movies went was Glass. Have you seen the trailer for Glass? Yeah, I have seen the trailer for Glass. And that was, that was way more than I I wanted to see in a trailer as far as what's going on in that movie. Okay, and. But there's another one where I would say, I know this is weird that I'm going to take another, take the opposite view. Yeah. You're right. I didn't need it. <clears throat> but I can say when I took my son to see Split, yeah. not only had he never seen Unbreakable, oh. he remains completely uninterested in seeing Unbreakable. Really? I have offered many times, even though I'll confess this, I wasn't a big fan of Unbreakable. I loved Split. Yeah. But that twist ending was made no sense to an entire generation sure. of moviegoers. Sure. So Who were they, looking for a different type of movie. So than, Glass has to reintroduce what is that conflict. And oh, by the way, the characters from Split are in it. And, you know, so they have to. But, you know, so we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 you make a good point. But in that case, I didn't need it. Because even though, but but you know the, the thing is, even though I thought Split was good, it wasn't one billion dollars good. It did not make a billion dollars. Whereas sure. Avengers: Infinity War sure. made a billion dollars. And every look, if you're listening, a Brett Schneider brother actually watching, and it, it it's almost either of my brothers. It's almost like. My mother being aware and seeing something uh, in the Marvel Universe and telling me, oh, you know. Normally, once I watched, uh, Luke and I watched Guardians of the Galaxy with her, and I thought, well, she'd like it because she likes Bradley Cooper. She had no idea that it was Bradley Cooper. But she described it later as, oh, they showed me one of those movies they like where just things blow up, and I think there was an animal in it. And I went, <laughs> And no one can see my expression right now, but I'm like, yeah, there's no point. There's just no point. And, you know, we watched The Force Awakens with her, and she said, oh, yeah, 
You know, I already know from Oprah or uh, from The View that Han Solo dies. So she didn't care by the time she'd watched The Force Awakens. You know, so I, right, I'm saying right, right. it's the equivalent of a Brett, a Brett Schneider brother coming to you and saying, this is exciting. What's going to happen next? Yeah. I, I appreciate how momentous that is. Talk about your Crisis on Infinite Brett Schneiders. <laughs> okay, let's get to TV because here's Crisis on Infinite Podcasts. Today, DC Universe, which I'm almost caught up on Titans. DC Universe added a character to Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah. Which, okay, we're going to have to go back to our podcast interview with Derek Mears because Derek Mears is Swamp Thing, which means he can't play the character that on the podcast he said he wanted to play. Right, right. Ian Ziering from Beverly Hills 90210 and Sharknado has been cast as Dan Cassidy, the Blue Devil, who will be a recurring character on Swamp Thing. Did you see the really brilliant thing about this? The poster? They've got a Dan Cass- they've got they got a Blue Devil poster. No, I haven't seen a picture movies. of it. So there's a picture of one of the, one of the movies he's in as the Blue Devil. Yeah. And the costume is is horrible. <laughs> it, 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 but it's I'm sure it's meant to look horrible because Neberos has to curse him because he's gonna he's gonna transform into something that looks really cool. Yes, and but it's but it's I just I hope they will come out with that poster. I just when I saw it, I. I didn't know if I should text Derek and say, "What up? Are you okay?" I mean, <laughs> you are Swamp Thing, which is it's a bigger role, better <laughs> than playing Blue Devil. But you should have been Blue Devil because even the the freaking character description is Derek Mears. Sure. You know, Hollywood stuntman actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, totally. Joel McHale, and I'm going to call Variety to task. Because they announced that Joel McHale, this is how they phrased it, will be playing the Golden Age Starman on the Stargirl series. Okay. Cool. Except it's <laughs> not the Golden Age Starman. It's Sylvester Pemberton. So they go, he's playing the Golden Age Starman, blah, 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 who's in this? And he goes, Sylvester Pemberton, who has a sidekick named Stripesy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... No, No. (laughs) that's the star-spangled kid who did grow up to become Skyman, but never, never took on the identity of Starman. Fake news. When I saw the headline. Exactly. I saw the headline. What you are getting now is pure fanboy umbrage. Uh, I saw the headline and went, Ted Knight? That's a weird choice to be Ted Knight. And then I read it, Sylvester Pemberton, I'm like, it's still a weird choice, <laughs> but that's not Starman. So I'm sorry, I did not take my blood this pressure reading today. This moment of umbrage has been brought to you by Amazon. Ah, ah. and yet it is one of those things that I have to go. Take a breath. They're adapting yeah. to TV, but if it's on DC Universe, please tell me who is subscribing to DC Universe that is not one of us. Right. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I hope you all had aneurysms, as I did. Uh, I say that metaphorically. I don't really want anybody to have an aneurysm. Uh, And go, come on, if if, if any streaming service deserves to get these characters absolutely right, like, and you know what I haven't watched on Titans is the Hawk and Dove origin episode. That's the most recent one, right? Yeah, the most yeah, recent yeah. one. And I haven't watched that. But one what either. bothered me about Hawk and Dove in the previous one is like 
there's no implication that they have superpowers. There's nothing of their mystic background. Right. They're just vigilantes like Robin. Right. And I'm like, and I just although they going, can take a lot of damage. Yeah, but I think that's just because everybody does <laughs> uh, on that show, you know. And there are things that we can talk about another week once Titans season one really wraps up of like the strengths and weaknesses of it. Yeah. And and that's definitely to me a weakness as cool as it is to me and and I think as good as they both are as Hawk and Dove and how good they look. I just wasn't happy that it's like again, this show in which you've got Gar Logan turning into a green tiger and you were afraid to say that they have magical powers? Yeah. They have magical powers. Just go with it. Raven's clearly magical. Yeah. Go with it. You know, so anyway, that's that's it. The last casting thing that I want to say, uh, because this is just so bizarre. The Mandalorian on Disney Plus announced Giancarlo Esposito, fantastic actor. They've uh just to pop the stack. Is Disney when is is Disney Plus out yet or no, is it late coming? 2019. Late 2019. They're just taunting okay. us, taunting us, taunting okay, okay, us. Okay, okay. It's hard to keep track. All these, but the most I know, I know. But the most bizarre casting, just because I want you to think, if you were to say in the late seventies, early eighties, and you had the Star Wars franchise, there are probably a handful of people that you would have made a prediction. There is no way they will play a role in the Star Wars franchise. One, because in the seventies and eighties, this wasn't this person was not an actor. Um, and two because WTF uh, their careers have been so far from Star Wars Uh, so the Mandalorian announced Werner Herzog is joining the cast of the ongoing series a little gravitas (laughs) I think he's just decided to have fun in his senior years but it is so bizarre and all my Facebook feed was full of professionals going, well, I'm subscribing. <laughs> I, <laughs> like if I wasn't before, I'm subscribing. <laughs> so there's that. And that's really all I have to say. Yeah. Uh, tonight, uh, there's an, enough to go, go by. Um, hey, you know, I think this is probably the last podcast before the... Uh, uh, before Christmas, certainly, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if we'll get to because Nate was asking, uh, and I asked him back if uh, what we would do the week after. He's coming up, but unfortunately, he is fully occupied with family. Huh. Um, but I have some time, so maybe we'll, we will do a New Year's. Nice I don't do know. Year end wrap up. I think we could. I think yeah. we can, and maybe we can find a time that Nate could join us for it. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. I got a couple of days to kill. So. Um, Anyway, uh, so thank you for listening, and uh, you know I am, I am thankful. I just went to an event on Friday night where somebody asked me, like, you know, what, what do you like about doing this? And I said, you know, it, it is the people. It is. Uh, I always say my joke, which is true about listening to the podcast. No, I do not. I, I don't listen to myself talk while we're actually talking. So uh, why should I listen to it again? But I do listen sometimes when there are interviews and so forth. And, and I love uh, tonight. We didn't call out. We, we said his name. A uh, longtime listener and uh, a longtime friend has been at every live show, I think, that we've done here at Seven Stars, uh, Forrest Elam. Uh, so you may have heard his voice. He is our, our lone laugher tonight. Um, 
it's it, it's nice. So I, I'm grateful for the people that are are listening, and that is that is the gift. And and I hope that we are entertaining to you. So thank you uh, once again. If you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I am finding ironically that the entire I, I think you I what show are you watching over there? I on, I don't know what's on. I think it's like an Entertainment Tonight or something. Okay, well, amusingly, while I've been ripping while we were ripping it into earlier, the two screens I can see oh my God, it's are X-Men. Batman v are, Superman: Dawn of Justice. Yeah, yeah. So I, after I was ripping into it a little bit, uh, but anyway, uh, that's what I love about being at Seven Stars Bar and Grill genre television. All no matter monitors. where you look. Even the bad stuff, I can't believe we're at a bar that shows any of it because there's no way that I would have. Well, I wasn't coming into bars as a kid, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, that's a but bad. It's a family friendly bar. It is a well, it's a bar and grill. Yes, it's a bar and grill. So uh, thank you. Anyway, uh, so I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.